And based on the vision that you've set, every church has a niche, man. This church is not going to be like the church down the road. Or There's literally a church, if you go by these, through these woods, there's a church, one of my good friends, Kevin Cobb, meeting in the YMCA, great guy. But our, but our thinking in our churches and our niche is completely different. Then, then, then you see this, and you've got to know this is just the nature of things. That we become totalitarian in our expectations. We want the church to be about me only. So you get this thing, like, I, I got these ideas I want to give you, and you guys go do them. That's kind of capitalistic, right? Like, I don't want to be involved in getting things done, but I want to give you these great ideas, these great ideals that I have, and I've maybe brought them with me from another place, or I, you know, I hate church, and I've gotten Christ in my life, and I just want to kind of give you these, and you go make them happen, and if you don't, then I'm probably going to get somewhere else, because it's just capitalistic in our, in our thinking. But then they're totalitarian, and this is where the church is all about. I mean, it's kind of that Fonzie faith where you've got the, hey, you got, you know, we've got this thing, you know, I've got this clause where I can opt out, and I can and I can sketch out, and I can get out of the way, and, and, and you know, I, I can do that. God, it's, it's based less on the Bible, because when you're capitalistic, you say this a lot, God spoke to me. We spiritualize it with God speaking to us. We, we think that our wants is God speaking. God spoke to me. And you look at the mission, like, yeah, God doesn't speak that's against the mission. But with totalitarian thinking, well, you know, we know other people have needs, but come on, God, this is about me. i got the Fonzie faith going on. And, and you know, I, I need my needs met at all costs, and I can't see outside myself. And I've got these verses, and they're really not verses. They're just kind of my distortion of verses. And kind of like a penny saves a penny earned, you know, we're going to throw that in there. going to do some spinoff. And bringing some other philosophies, and why can't we all get along? God doesn't care what road you leave, you know, as long as we all get to him. And and what happens when these converge in a church, because God started the church when they converge in a church, Jesus isn't made known clearly. People's lives are not transformed. Churches become distorted. People outside of faith connection, and this is the one that gets me the most, People outside of faith connection think Jesus Christ is completely irrelevant. This happened to me yesterday. Wait, what's say Sunday? This happened to me yesterday talking to, this, to a person. Yes, I had to remember if it was today or Friday. It was yesterday. Yes, it was yesterday because God was saying, because I really doubted sharing this. I doubted how it tied together. But yesterday, a person that doesn't know Jesus Christ, I got to share my story with got to share my faith with, and she is going to come out to life point. And I've turned on a little bit too much of myself. Those of you that know me, like, there's this limit with me, like, okay, we want Jamie to be this, and this is really cool, but if you go here, this should only be for, like, a handful of people. I kind of went into this zone, so I'm all self-doubting and all that. But, but I realized in my conversation with her that this converges as a norm in most churches. I sat and talked to people in this hallway this week that are not a part of our church. And the things they said to me were so capitalistic and so socialistic and so totalitarian in just different areas. And I thought, oh, wow, you are going to struggle in this thing that you're trying to do. These two great people, amazing people. And I was like, you're going to struggle. And and what I I want to kick off this year with is not negative. Here's what I want to tell you. That we can combat that naturally because God is blessing LifePoint Church and we want him to continue to bless LifePoint Church. God is changing lives. 
and transforming lives at LifePoint Church. And all we have to do to keep him doing this is what we're going to talk about today. If we will individually do what we're going to talk about today, when we come together, we will naturally, supernaturally rather, push back on socialistic mentality, not not political, but but what are the, I I keep losing track of all this, that socialistic faith, that capitalistic want, and that totalitarian uh, mentality uh, when it comes to expectations. And, And here's the thing, you will enjoy Christ, you will be able to discover Christ if those aren't doing that around you, but you have to commit to what we're going to look at today. And here's the reality. I know that this is not a utopia, that God has hands on his, God's hands on this place, but I know it's not a perfect place. Because a perfect guy is not leading it. An imperfect guy is leading it. So I know that that, that I don't attract perfect people. I, I, I attract imperfect people in my personal life. So I know that God's going to put me in a place with imperfect people to serve with. And I know that these mentalities easily take place in a church. I know it because I've watched it in my own life. I shared with this girl. She's like, churches are filled with hypocrites. I said, you know what? I have been a hypocrite so many times. It just naturally happens, man. But if we can put into play what we're going to talk about today, man, lives will be changed. I'm talking about an inclusion of people that didn't think God wanted anything to do with them. I'm talking about effectiveness in our personal life. I'm talking about transformation. God does not want to come in here, you to come in here and be blessed. He wants to transform you. And we apologetically in the church say, oh, gosh, we don't want to tell people that because they're going to run out here. People don't want to change. We're in the Kentucky. I mean, Kentucky is Midwest meets South. Change is a bad word. Change, if they, if we should make things five-letter words. It's a bad word, right? Or six, whatever. I can't spell it. So whatever. Whatever it is. I need spell check. Right? It's bad. No, 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 no. Bad, bad, bad. God wants to transform people. God wants to transform relationships. God wants to transform thinking. God wants to transform mentality. He wants to transform your faith, your walk, your kids. I mean, God is about transformation. If we do what we're, if we buy into it, you're gonna, it's going to blow you away because it's so seemingly self-absorbed, but it is the key to, to making magic happen, man. It's amazing. Look at this with me. Joshua chapter 24. We're going to go old school, Old Testament. So the fear, so fear the Lord and serve him wholeheartedly. Put away forever the idols your ancestors worshipped when they lived beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt. Serve the Lord alone. But if you refuse to serve the Lord, okay, you've got choice. God's a God of choice. Then choose today whom you will serve. Would you prefer the gods of your ancestors serve beyond the Euphrates? Or will it be the gods of the Amorites in whose land you, you now live? Joshua made this statement, though. But as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. Keep reading with me. Verse 16. The people replied, we would never abandon the Lord and serve other gods. They absolutely did. We absolutely do. But it's nice to say, right? For the Lord our God is the one who rescued us and our ancestors from slavery in the land of Egypt. He performed mighty miracles before our eyes. As we traveled through the wilderness among our enemies, he preserved us. It was the Lord who drove out the Amorites and the other nations living here in the land. So we, too, will serve the Lord, for he alone is our God. He alone is our God. Here's what I hope God infuses in your heart today. This is it. This is life-changing. This is game-changing. This is deal-breaking. 
God offers me, God offers me identity and purpose. I want you to say this. It's got to be personal. You ready? On the count of three. One, two, three. God offers me identity and purpose. Okay, great, man. The coffee's kicking in. Let's do that. Mountain Dew's head. Let's try it one more time. God offers me identity and purpose. No, Jamie, wait a minute, man. God offers you that. You're in the midst of it. God offers that, that, that person that's done the things I do. I want you to say this one more time with me. God offers me identity and purpose. Joshua kicks off this chapter saying something that if you look at the beginning of the chapter, the reason we didn't read it all, we'd lose the tech guys. There's not enough pictures in there. You know, we just got to lose them, right? So we couldn't read the whole chapter. But he's saying God himself wants you to know this is not Joshua. We dropped in to a conversation that he began saying this is what God says. They were not coming from some extended faith tradition. Now, we look back and we say Abraham, but if you look before Abraham, these people were pagans. They were idol worshipers. Some did human sacrifice. This was not like, oh, yeah, my grandpa went to church, my grandpa went to church, my grandpa went to church. But even if it were Joshua's son or something, that if you have a faith tradition, it doesn't matter. This is something that's not passed on. Like, you know, I've got blue eyes. My mom has blue eyes or green eyes, whatever they are. They change with my outfit. I've got gray hair. My mom, great at 30. She would really appreciate me telling you that. I'm 70% gray at 42 years of age. I've got my mother's hips. I know she would not want me to say that. I'm not so much better this weekend. But that is not trained. Those things are transferred, man, genetically. You know what's not transferred? Faith. It's not. You can't say, listen, I'm a Christ follower. You're a Christ follower. Crystal, now we have Christ following babies. Chloe, you're automatically a Christ follower. It doesn't work that way. It does not work that way. Here's the cool part, though. If you come from a faith tradition, you hope it works that way. If you don't, like I did, and I kind of was kind of scattered, but if you look at my family, my parents were the black sheep. And if you look at their family, my dad's, my dad's dad was the black sheep in his family. So we need to know that you don't have to have a faith tradition to know God and to have his purposes. So this is a big revelation for these people. Some of these, it's reiteration. Some of these, are, some of these people are hearing this for the first time. But Joshua lets them know, listen, God is offering you identity and purpose. Joshua's story is well known. He had this initial faith moment. He and a bunch of other guys had an opportunity to respond in faith. Two of this group of guys responded, him and a guy named Caleb. So he has this initial faith moment. He has this moment of belief. And then every step of faith he took built his faith. Here is the part that I hate about his story. Most of his steps, or a lot of his steps, that built his faith, that built his belief in God, that built up to the moment. This is his last challenge. He dies at the end of the chapter. This is it. This is his speech. This is the final one. He makes this statement based on the fact that he had discovered purpose and identity in the Lord, the God. Not a God, the God. He had, he had made a moment of faith, and then every step, and that's the part I don't like about his story, it was a battle. His faith was built by battle. 
And even though he was looking back on his life and he was giving the, the challenge of his life, and I don't know that he knew that he was going to die, but there was this urgency for him that he was communicating this message. But his faith, that moment in verse 14, as for me and my family, as for me and my house, as for me and my gang and my clan, we will serve the Lord. It was built, faith that was built by battle. Not faith that was built on everything, you know, based on every time winning. Now, he did talk about success early in this book, Joshua 1.8. But, but listen, his faith was built in battle. His faith was built step by step. It wasn't a perfect life. I love Bible characters. They are so imperfect. They are so not what we make them. They are so not what they're portrayed on stages. Half the Bible was written by adulterers and prisoners and murderers. And this, is a, this is a bunch that we say ties that God saved, of course, but we don't tell the whole story. Joshua's saying this, listen, man, discover your purpose and identity in a personal relationship with God. Paul said it this way in the New Testament. Check this out with me. I'd have two Bibles up here, man. I'm super spiritual today. So, uh, 1 Corinthians 15, I was rocking it, dude. In the new year, man, I'm just super spiritual. It's awesome. I'm going to try three next week. It's going to be cool. Verse 46, but it is not the spiritual that is first, but the natural, and then the spiritual. This is a direct reflection of what John was teaching Nicodemus in John chapter 3. That it's not the spiritual kind of plasma, the spiritual energy that's floating around and or, or the spiritual souls that are wandering and they just kind of drop into bodies, or this karmatic cycle that keeps taking place. Okay, now you're a, you're a grape, or you're a roach, or you're a mouse, or you're a conqueror. God said, listen, the physical comes first. You are born of a woman. You are born of a mom and a dad. And then after that, that's why faith can't be passed on. Check it out. Look at this with me. It's not the spiritual first, but the natural, then the spiritual. The first man from, from, uh, was from the earth, a man of dust. The second man is from heaven. As the man of dust, so also was those who are of the dust. And as the man of heaven, so also those who are of heaven. Here's, what, here's the verse. Just latch on to this. Just as we have borne the image of the, of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. We're talking about identity. When you believe on Jesus Christ, he not only accepts you, he not only forgives you, He not only transforms you, He identifies you. The moment you believe on Him, He said, that's my daughter right there. That's my son right there. I tell this to my son all the time. You're my son. You're my boy. And he's like, Daddy, why do you tell me that? Because I know when God spoke that to me, it changed my life. I was reading Galatians chapter 3 one day. Total doubt in my life. Just, just insecure as could be. And I was reading at my desk. And God, when I read, I forget what verse it was, it was early in the chapter, God said, Jamie, you are my son. You're my boy. And he was saying he was proud of me, identified with me, that he loved me. In that moment, I knew what he was saying to my heart. He speaks our heart language, and it radically began to change my life. He identifies you. That's my boy. That's my girl. He identifies with you. Jesus helps you to become who you are supposed to be, what you're supposed to do, all of that. Your spirit, when you ask Jesus in your life, your spirit is transformed in an instant. 
You go from being dead spiritually the moment you believe on Christ to being alive. The moment that you believe on Jesus Christ, all your sins are forgiven. I'm talking about that thing that you hope no one finds out, that thing that you wish would have never happened, that stuff that happened, and you did stuff that you don't even remember because you blacked out. I'm talking about that. God forgives the moment you believe. But with this other peace, with this other, you know, this other situation with identity, God spends a lifetime building into you, helping you become all that he trained for your life. He spends a lifetime revealing your worth. He spends a lifetime offering his power in your life, not to become flaky. This is what's driving me crazy about Christendom. We, we say, man, God wants to save you, put a fish sign on your car, and make you weird. That's not the truth. It's just not. That's why I say stuff, and people are like, does anybody be saying that? I wonder if people are going to be offended. I hope you are. If you have them on your car, it's awesome, but that's not what God cares about. He cares about you understanding that he can save you, and the moment you do, the moment that he does, that you believe, he begins to develop this identity in you. And it's not based on mama or daddy or what you've done or haven't done. It's based on Jesus Christ. When he looks at you, he says, you know what? When I look at him or her, I see my son Jesus. And I'm going to spend their lifetime until I see them face to face revealing their worth and the plan that I have for, for their lives. Because God offers identity and purpose. Look at this with me. Let's go back. Great things. Let's fill it. Let's go back to the Old Testament. Now we're back in verse 14. So the fear, so fear the Lord and serve him wholeheartedly. Put away forever your idols, your ancestors worshiped. When they live beyond the Euphrates. Serve the Lord alone. But if you refuse to serve the Lord, okay, that's, that was it. I, I'm reading too long. I just love that passage, man. Joshua says, serve him. It's so different than religion. God offers purpose. Religion offers proposal. If you will, this, this. Now, there's consequences. We try to people that try to shirk out and they try to you know try to run from what they know to do responsibility with God. They always cop out on this. It's not either or. But here's the reality: God offers purpose. God offers meaning. When you bow your will to Him, when you say, God, I'm going to serve you with my life. I'm going to make a difference in my life or in other lives because you've made a difference in mine. God begins to enact purpose in your life. Religion, all it does is offer proposals. The very good that religion does usually is self-centered. And and Joshua said, listen, you can choose religion. You can choose religious proposals. They're going to make you feel like you you own something. You're going to feel part of it. And you don't have to, you know, if you focus on doing things only, you don't have to look at what you're becoming. You don't have to admit anything. You don't have to own anything. You don't have to take responsibility for anything. But but he said, remember the, remember what happened beyond the Euphrates? And we're like, what happens? We didn't read the whole chapter together. And it enslaved them. It made them slaves. The religious proposal ended in slavery. And he said, okay, so, so that we know that ends in slavery. But if you're not going to take God by faith, because purposes are built on faith, not religion. Purposes are built on relationship with Jesus, not proposals. He said, or, you know, if you don't want purpose, that you, you live in the land of the Amorites, take their religious proposals. See what they have to offer. He's being, he's being a smart aleck. He would say, hey, listen, give it a shot. See what happens. Faith births purpose. That's hard to say. 
Religion makes proposals. God lifts his track record through the whole chapter of verse 24. Paul said it this way in 1 Corinthians 15. It's really a cool verse. I want you to see the first part of it. Say the first few with me. Awake to righteousness. Awake to righteousness. We can spend a lot of time on this verse and unpack it all, but, but the key with this purpose is awake to righteousness. We, some of us did a, or some of our church did a book study in the book of James. The, this word righteousness, it's like the book of James. What, it, what James is saying is, listen, discover Jesus Christ. Discover an identity in him. And as you do discover, you don't spend years in a monastery discovering that. In your daily life, as you see that, let that love, let that passion, let that purpose, let your identity in Jesus Christ begin to spill out. Spill out. Let it, let it make you more effective. Let it make you care about people more. Let it make you serve. You know, people are like, oh, serving and giving. And, and, and Paul saying, listen, awake to righteousness. Awake, like if, if you haven't accepted Christ, wake up. Jesus loves you. If you have accepted Christ, realize that righteousness begins in a moment and ignites a relationship with God that you continue till you see Him face to face. And you do things that are right and that are holy with God's help and power, by His help and power, and because. Because it makes a difference for him. Because he's made a difference for you, you make a difference for him. Purpose and identity. Josh and Paul were calling people on the carpet. God said, he said, listen, God wants to identify with you. And, and it's amazing to me, and I see it all the time. I see people wrestling through religion. And they miss the real Jesus. That's why I told this girl yesterday. You, see, you always seem like a cultist when you say that. Like, I know what you just said, and you don't know the real Jesus. But the real Jesus in the Bible has been so clouded by religion, by churches, by misrepresentation, from people that say they're Christ followers and people that aren't Christ followers. But God offers everyone
work in your life and show you your worth, that identity begins to replace insecurities. Begins to remove them. Begins to just take them out of your life. I'm talking about the things that keep you from talking to people, the things that keep you from uh, loving other people in relationship, the things that keep you self-centered, the things that you don't think you can even try certain things because you're afraid. God's identity begins to remove those insecurities. And as he's doing that, he doesn't do this total makeover. It takes a lifetime. But as he's doing that, he offers you a chance to make a difference in other people's lives. 